It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Before this episode begins, I want to tell you about something a little time sensitive that I'm part of, which is a three-day virtual conference called Love Yourself First, How to Develop Supportive Friendships and Meaningful Relationships. This is really up my alley. I think it's up your alley too, given the topics that I cover. And this is actually something that I was invited to by a previous podcast guest, Coach Lee Hopkins, who did an episode with me in August 2022, invited me to speak and be part of this wonderful group of people. And the conference is taking place February 10th through February 12th, 2023. And there you can learn some different tactics to loving yourself, creating lasting connections that will enrich, enrich your life. This is a paid conference. And so full transparency. There is a small fee involved with it. And I have a promo code. The promo code is, let me pull it up, uncomfortable. 20. So uncomfortable, just like this might get uncomfortable, but uncomfortable 20. And you guessed it, that'll take 20% off the cost of the ticket. And I'll receive a small fraction of that. And the rest of the money goes towards running the event. And if you want to invite a friend to this and buy two tickets in the same transaction, you actually get a 50% off discount on the second ticket. So if you're looking to deepen your relationships, create more joy, affection, and really just learn from people like myself, from Coach Lee, all the amazing speakers that he has brought together for this, you can go to the link in the description. It's a little long. The full link is alwaysloveyourselffirst.eventbrite.com, and that's where you'll en enter that promo code uncomfortable twenty two zero. And I'll put it in the description of this episode and also in the show notes so that you can easily click through and check it out. See if it's a fit for you. Use a discount, invite your friends, share, spread the message if you would like. And now on to the episode. This is my last solo episode for 2022. And if you happen to be new to the show, a solo episode is something I do every Monday, meaning I don't have a guest. It's just me talking about life and thoughts and lessons. The previous episode I recorded, I remember at the time feeling like really good about it. And then afterwards, I started to feel really vulnerable and I even questioned whether or not to publish it. And I think right after I recorded that episode, I was taking a walk and listening to a book I'm going to share today called The Myth of Normal. And I felt like I started to get a lot of answers. So if you've listened to that episode, this one kind of builds upon that. And if you haven't listened to it and you enjoy this episode, you might want to go back to the previous solo episode from the previous Monday in which I talk a lot about social media. As I mentioned, that episode plays a big role in my life professionally, or at least it has. It's I'm trying not for it to be the same as it used to be. It's something a lot of us think about 
at the end of a year is who do we want to be moving forward? Now, we can ask ourselves this question anytime. It doesn't have to be at the end of a year, at the beginning of a new year. I think as a society, we've just become, many of us, habituated to that tradition of evaluating. And I think it's important to to remind ourselves we don't have to do anything different. We don't have to have a New Year's resolution. (laughs) We don't have to become different people, strive for more. In fact, we could actually remove the pressure. That in itself might be a change. We're constantly growing. Some of those feelings I felt after recording last week's episode felt vulnerable to me because I didn't feel quite right or perfect. There were things that I changed my mind about. I wondered if I articulated them okay. And I felt vulnerable because of that fear I have around making mistakes and babbling too, which is a big tendency of mine, but that's okay. Part of my ongoing work is accepting myself as I am, as a flawed human being who's constantly learning and growing and taking in new information. Some of that changes me really quickly as I've been listening to the audiobook and simultaneously reading the Kindle written version of The Myth of Normal. I feel like I'm noticing and shifting just after every chapter of that book. It's so great. And that's why I'm really excited to share it with you and how that ties into self-discovery, reflecting on ourselves, personal development, all of those things that I'm passionate about and also tend to be something that people are focused on this time of year. Once the holidays start to wrap up, or at least these end of year holidays, which seem to have so much weight, at least for me, they just feel so much more intense. I just thought of one quick note, a complete side note, is that I'm wearing some makeup today. And a big goal of mine actually has been for (laughs) months, actually about a year now, is to get the videos uploaded to YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, that means I succeeded. No, I will get there one day. I'm at least 90% sure. I guess it's possible. I'll never put the videos I record on YouTube, but it really is my intention. And as of the day that I'm recording this at the end of or mid-December 2022, I haven't yet. I'm really behind with it because it's just not a big priority. That's some of which I talk about in the previous episode about where my priorities are with social media and tasks like this. And I bring up that because I'm wearing makeup, which is unusual for me. And I feel a desire to be really transparent about it. Like when I sat in front of the camera, I was like, wow, it almost looks like I have a filter on my face because I'm wearing foundation. (laughs) And it's very subtle. If you didn't know me, if you weren't used to looking at my face, you might not even notice that I'm wearing makeup. But if you see that my videos or know me as a person, it would stand out. Like people that see me regularly always notice when I wear makeup. It's that unusual. They notice when I do my hair, when I'm wearing different clothing, because I don't spend a lot of time on my physical appearance. And I just want to be transparent about that because I, I get a lot of triggers, I suppose. Things come up for me. Speaking of pressure and society, as I intend to explore in this episode, sometimes when I see people wearing makeup. I feel like this internal pressure to wear makeup. It's that comparison, that wondering, because I'm different, if that means that I'm not as worthy, that comes up a lot. And just a little behind the scenes, the only reason I'm wearing makeup 
is because I just bought some. I usually buy makeup once a year. And at least the pattern has been for me the last two years was to buy it during the Black Friday sales. And I bought some a different brand. I've used this brand for a while and just got it in the mail a few days ago and hadn't put any of it on. I thought I just felt like putting it on, not for any reason other than to experiment because what I use for makeup or the reason I wear makeup, which is again, very rare, is to boost my confidence a bit. Usually I'll wear it when I go out in front of people that I haven't seen in a while that makes me feel more confident. And it definitely is a way of me masking physically. It's literally a mask for me putting on makeup and changing my appearance. And a lot of that is just the societal pressure that I feel as a woman, especially living in a city like Los Angeles, which tends to emphasize appearance so much. And outside of Los Angeles, I'll wear makeup when I go out to dinner. There's something about that tradition, not all dinners, but just like with certain people for if it's like fancy, you know, I'm wearing a dress or a nice outfit. If I'm not being casual, I'll wear makeup sometimes when I feel, again, lack of confidence. And it's just a little quick boost for me. And I'll wear it when I'm doing some professional things, if I'm public speaking or something like that. I just Again, it's part of the like role that I step into, but it's very rare that I wear makeup for a podcast. And I think one of the reasons to build further on last week's episode about social media, certainly since I don't enjoy wearing makeup often, I don't enjoy doing my hair and wearing certain clothing. Over time, I felt self-conscious about that, especially on social media. And I think that's one of the reasons that I don't do as much social media is because the energy it takes for me to get in front of the camera is a lot, especially if I'm not wearing makeup and I don't feel as confident and I'm afraid of being judged. So that's just an ongoing exploration, definitely with aging too, as a woman in this society that places so much emphasis on appearance and a lot of cultural fears around aging. I struggle a lot with that too. That topic comes up sprinkled in a ton of episodes. In fact, I just recorded a fantastic episode which is going to come out sometime in January 2023. And I didn't expect the aging thing to come up in it. So that's like a little teaser. The guest name is Tracy. So if you stick around or subscribe if you haven't yet, that episode's really good. I say that a lot. (laughs) I always acknowledge it. I'm just so thrilled with the guests that come on this show. Most of them blow my mind in ways I don't expect. Also, by the way, I'm really reacting to something that I, and I, that's my part of my ongoing exploration too, is the mystery of my food reactions. It's really frustrating. As a side note too, I'm in the process of going to an allergist to do some more testing and try to see if I can figure it out. I've thought about doing some of those mail-in food sensitivity tests too, but a little skeptical. And one thing I've, I found that I mentioned several weeks ago in some episodes as I explore my sleep issues, I got an MRI done and some other brain 
related things just to see if that was causing my sleep issues. And all of the sleep, the physical sleep studies and scans and things like that I've done thus far have been inconclusive. They all say that I'm fine, which is exciting on a physical level. All my blood tests, like my body is either fine or good. (laughs) And so I'm thrilled about that. Just knowing that I'm physically okay is nice, but (laughs) mentally and emotionally I struggle. And it's frustrating when some of my symptoms, my physical symptoms don't seem to have a explanation. So that might actually tie in a very subtle way to today's episode. I want to begin off before I get into some of the quotes from the Myth of Normal book, which I will link to, by the way, for those of you who might be interested in reading it, that the TikTok video I'm about to mention, anything else that I bring up will be in the resource section, as always, of this episode at wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Every single episode has a full transcript that's turned into a blog post. And in that, there is a resource section at the very bottom. And throughout the episode, the team does such an amazing job. So deeply grateful for their support with this show and making that easy for you to find anything reference. So the first reference is this TikTok video I came across shortly before I started recording today. The way TikTok works in general is showing you a lot of content from strangers. And I like that. It's Some people describe it as a slot machine. You go on and you literally flick through it. Slot machine, you usually press buttons or pull the lever, but it's that similar feeling of every time you flip through the For You page, you don't know what you're going to get. And oftentimes it's a complete stranger. And that can feel interesting. I've been training myself to be really conscious of the way these strangers are impacting me for a variety of reasons. The things that they're saying, the way they present themselves, the way they express themselves, all of that. I'm extremely sensitive. And so sometimes TikTok, I leave feeling not so great and trying to set more boundaries for myself around that. This video really caught my attention. It it hooked me right away with some of the words. I don't remember the person's name who made this video, but their first name at least, but I did put in the show notes their... a link to this video. I'm going to read actually the quotes from it. I think the account's called Attila the Pun. So verbatim, I want to share this with you because I found it really interesting. Starts off by saying, what percentage of your anxiety would dissolve overnight if you knew that no matter what, you'd always have housing, food, and healthcare? And that caught my attention because I was thinking a lot about today, especially after a coaching session I did through my well-being coaching services I now offer. There was a conversation around societal pressure and the desire to prioritize health and well-being and yet finding that challenging Because in order to survive, in order to have, as Attila the Pun said, housing, food, and healthcare, you need to find a way to provide for yourself. In our society right now, most of us have to pay for our own housing, food, and healthcare. And some of us can get those as benefits if we're out of work or something. There's systems in place for many people, but it's a toss-up. 
if you don't make a lot of money, you could qualify for certain health care, for certain food benefits, for certain type of housing, but that might not be ideal. Or you might feel trapped because now your income has to stay below a certain threshold to get those benefits, but the rest of your life may be compromised as a result. And if you start to make more money, then you can lose those benefits. Then you have to like really make more money in order to have the lifestyle that you want. And this question of what percentage of your anxiety would dissolve if you knew that no matter what, you'd always have housing, food, and healthcare. I just thought was such a fascinating thought process. As I've mentioned, I try to be extremely transparent. I am in a good financial place right now. Maybe one of the most stable financial positions I've ever been in, actually. I wonder if my income is higher than it's ever been. It's all relative. I used to work full-time. I haven't worked full-time for anybody in that traditional work sense since I think I quit my last full-time job in the beginning of 2010. And I've talked a lot about why I did that and the ripple effects it had. And and I'm generally really grateful for that. But I also try to be very transparent that it's hard working for yourself. As much as social media and various people online want to make it seem like it's so formulaic and anybody can do it, I, over time, I recognize it's really hard. At least it has been for me, right? It all depends on the way your brain works and your circumstances and your privilege. And so many factors go into thriving independently versus having a traditional full-time job or even a part-time job where it can pay the bills. And it's interesting now, based on my recent taxes, when I saw how much I made in 2021 and likely my taxes from 2022 will reflect similarly. Like, my income was actually much higher than I had realized. And again, it might be the highest I've ever made collectively in a year. And that feels really good. But I'll also share that I still feel stressed about these factors, even though money I have a different relationship with now. I haven't struggled to pay my rent for my housing. I haven't struggled to buy food. And healthcare is an interesting thing. There's a lot of private sides of that I'm not going to get into. But overall, those things have not been a struggle, but I still feel stressed and anxious. So I think this resonated with me because A, I'm examining the stress and anxiety and some of these reasons behind it might come up in, in what I'll share from the myth of normal. And I also feel heartache for people that are really struggling with these things too. Since I embarked upon well-being coaching as a practice. And now I have all these different clients that I'm working with and seeing their struggles, seeing what other people are going through, hearing the intimacy of their life. It feels like such a privilege. It's really eye-opening to me. And it makes me think about what other people are going through and just seeing a lot of collective feelings shared around getting our basic needs met and what we have to do to get that done. So the TikTok video continues. How much of your depression would evaporate if starting tomorrow, you had plenty of time to spend with your loved ones, do the things you find pleasurable, and cultivate your own interests and passions? So the first statement's about anxiety. Second one is about depression. Being mindful, a lot of people use the words anxiety and depression loosely. 
And I take those words very seriously in general because the mental health implications. So if we remove the clinical definitions of depression and anxiety and just think about like depressed feelings, stress, burnout, a lot of those associated emotions. By the way, complete side note, but it keeps catching my eye. There's a hummingbird <laughs> floating around my window right now. And it's just so odd. I find hummingbirds are like a theme for me. And I keep getting a little bit distracted because I'm like, what is that hummingbird doing outside my window all of a sudden? Anyway, depression related to spending time with our loved ones, doing the things we find pleasurable, cultivating our own interests and passions. What I interpret that as are the things that many of us yearn for and yet struggle with because we're working so hard collectively to have housing, food, and health care. Even when I was in college and having all those things taken care of was under my parents' health care. They paid for my college housing and food and all. Like They were taking care of me still. I still struggled. That's when I first started thinking about depression, my freshman year of college, really noticing that. That's when I first started going to therapy. That's when I first experimented with medication for my mental health. I didn't feel like I had a lot of time because I was focused so much in just the work of college. And I look back on school in general, like in high school, I spent a lot of time with loved ones. My friends and I would hang out after school. We'd hang out at school. It was fun, but I did feel a lot of stress and anxiety. I did feel like I, I couldn't always do the things I found pleasurable and couldn't always cultivate my own interests and passions. And again, acknowledging the privilege I had. The fact that those feelings were still there is really interesting because there are plenty of people that don't have those things. And I wonder so much about what that's like. The theme here is like getting our basic needs met and why that is hard. And the TikTok video goes on to say, here's the situation. None of us ask to be born. None of us choose or earns the, the station in life. By the way, I use a transcription service, so some of these words not, might not be quite right. That's why I'm linking to the video. Earns the station in life. I don't know if that was what this person said, but it's an interesting phrasing if they did. We're all equal heirs to our stewardship of the earth, yet 99% of us are robbed daily of our stewardship and forced to squander our most precious resource, the hours of our lives trying to survive so that the most powerful can enjoy unimaginable wealth and leisure while they burn the planet down around us. That final part is interesting because even if this is not about the powerful people, maybe it all is. I'm still learning about this. I'm still trying to understand capitalism and what's going on and why things are set up the way they are. Are those people intentionally, are these powerful people with wealth, do they recognize the impact they have on other people? I don't know. I think about people like Elon Musk a lot because I have conflicted feelings about him. Jeff Bezos, I think about using Amazon, some of these tools that a lot of people feel mixed about because they're convenient. I 
I'm really passionate about Tesla, who's run by Elon Musk. I am conflicted about Twitter, who's run by Elon Musk. You know, like these things in my life and these things that other people utilize as well. It's hard because what if the way that they are behaving and living is causing people to squander the most precious resource of time just to survive, trying to survive. And the fact that this TikTok person is saying that we don't ask to be born or choose this, and then we have to scramble to figure it all out. They go on to say, nobody made the earth, no businessman or corporation made the soil we stand on or its fruits or the trees that give us shelter and shade that a handful of people seize these resources put a fence around them, guns around them to keep us from having them. Ooh, this part gives me chills. And forced us to work for them if we want to have the things that we need to survive here. I've been hearing this sentiment a lot on TikTok, and I don't think it's just on TikTok, but that's where I spend my time and really listen to these things. And these emotions that people are feeling around feeling forced to work, not wanting to work, but forced, that pressure I mentioned before. People just feel like in order to survive, they have to do things that they don't want to do. If we go back to what would happen if we had plenty of time to spend with our loved ones to do the things we find pleasurable and cultivate our own interests and passions. That's what I feel like people are yearning for. That time, but people don't feel like they have that time because they're spending so much of it trying to survive and earn their keep and have housing, housing, food, and healthcare. The video says, furthermore, to survive in this society, we are all forced to passively participate in the exploitation of others who are also caught in this net. We want some produce. The person who picked it was probably exploited. We want jeans. They come from a sweatshop. Coffee from child labor. Diamonds, murder. Now, of course, I want to note, not all of those things are connected, right? Certainly they happen. We can make some choices to get things that are not tied to exploitation as much as to the best of our ability. But when I'm thinking about Amazon, for example, and my conflict there, I wonder how many people are exploited. And I I believe most people are, to be honest, at least in delivery drivers might be in uncomfortable positions. Not all of them, but I've heard a lot of stories about what it's like to deliver for Amazon. I've seen videos of people working at Amazon and some people really like it, but a lot of people in the comments are talking about how they quit because it wasn't working for them. And Amazon's just one example. And I've spent my career, the last, since I quit my last full-time job, this is all interconnected, I quit because I was so passionate about talking about these things. And it was through this lens of veganism and sustainability But exploitation was at the core of it. Animals being exploited, people being exploited, the earth being exploited. Like in order to survive to the point of this TikTok, we are all forced to passively participate in the exploitation. And that's so disturbing. The video starts to wrap up with probably everything from the land we live on to the cell phones in our pockets are part of a long chain of theft, brutality, environmental destruction and exploitation. We know we're miserable. We know we're making everybody else miserable and ruining the planet. 
But to top it off on a daily basis, we're gaslit by politicians, by the media, by economists who tell us that capitalism is the best way, is the only way. And anyone who struggles to make it within this system is weak, is lazy, is stupid, is a loser. Wow, those words. Oh my gosh. If you're struggling, all these people that feel like that's because they're, I identify with that because I've struggled, even though I have privilege and so much, I've struggled. This is why this blows my mind. The amount of time I felt weak, lazy, stupid, a loser. I still, despite everything I have going for me right now, I have those thoughts on some level or another almost every day. And here I am devoted to working through these things. This is my career is around mental health right now, well-being. And still I try to play a role in the vegan and environmental side of things and paying attention to this exploitation. That's my life right now, my life's work right now. And yet I'm still struggling. What does that say? The video just a few more sentences here, says, we humans are at our best when we're cooperating with another, when we're caring and sharing. And on some level, most of us know that. So it's really no surprise that our mental health issues are exploding in this country, especially together as a society. We could have built any world, a beautiful world full of love and creativity. And instead, we ended up here. And it's okay to be mad about that or sad. However you feel about that is normal, healthy, and valid. And accepting that your emotional response to a messed up situation is natural, normal, and healthy is the first step to healing. What a beautiful video. It starts off by acknowledging so many of the things that we're struggling with and questioning that, wondering how things could be different. And then it points out some of the reasons that we're experiencing that collectively or the majority of us, the feelings related to all of that. And yet, The first step is accepting that your emotional response to a messed up situation is natural, normal, and healthy. I don't know anything about this TikToker that I just quoted. Again, I'm linking to them in the comments, Attila, the pun. And I actually didn't even read the comments of that video. Did I just say I'm linking in the comments? I'm linking in the resources to this episode, show notes. I just want to be clear. That's an interesting, I just feel like summarizes a lot of the weight I feel and the pressure that I know other people are feeling. And to pivot into this book I've been mentioning, The Myth of Normal, Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture by, I don't know if, I think it's Gabor Mate is how you pronounce it, Gabor Mate, Gabor, I don't know. My therapist often talks about this author and I feel like I really struggle with pronunciation. I'm embracing that about myself. It still feels embarrassing. I have shame around that, but I'd like to acknowledge when I'm unsure. So I pulled up a bunch of quotes. And as I was reading through these quotes from this book, there's 23 of them I'm about to share with you. At least my aim is to share them all. And I'll go through each of them just like I did with that TikTok and talk about them a bit. And they might all go in different directions and we'll see where we end up with that. And there's some big parallels to that TikTok. The first quote is actually a quote within the book. So it's a 
kind of a quote. The fact that millions of people share the same vices does not make these vices virtues. The fact that they share so many errors does not make the errors to be truth. And the fact that millions of people share the same forms of mental pathology does not make these people sane. That quote's from Eric from the Sane Society. I think a lot of us normalize the things that I've been describing thus far. And as the video ended on, and I often come to, it's okay. These are valid. But to normalize them to this to the point of just, it's almost hard to describe. It's a complicated thing. As I learned through my well-being coaching, it's approaching things without judgment, not necessarily trying to change them just to acknowledge them. And if we want to change them, that's okay. I think this quote spoke to me because just because we're all struggling with something doesn't mean that's okay. Like we should continue. Oh, that's just the way life is. That rubs me the wrong way. That form of acceptance. Okay, if your life is, if you are in some state, sometimes it's helpful for us to not try to change it. Sometimes it's helpful to just accept it. However, I simultaneously feel like I'm not a fan of accepting things just because that's the way they are. It's hard to verbalize that, but that's always rubbed me the wrong way. I'm not a status quo person. (laughs) Sometimes I try to be as I'll reveal this book has shed some light on and I think also sheds lights on why I developed in a lot of these ways. This is part of why I love this book so much. It gets into the roots of our struggles. So I'll keep reading. And this actually builds upon that quote. Mate, who I'll refer to because I am not certain about their first name, says, we have become accustomed or perhaps better to say acculturated to so much of what plagues us. It has become, for a lack of a better word, normal, right? So these things that many of us are struggling with have become so normal. Are we okay with that? This book touches a lot about around trauma and there's lots of definitions about trauma in this book. One of them that spoke to me is that the meaning of the word trauma in its Greek origin is wound. Whether we realize it or not, it is our woundedness or how we cope with it that dictates much of our behavior, shapes our social habits, and informs our way of thinking around the world or thinking about the world. And this book has shined light on how most of us are traumatized in big and small ways. And Mate says, someone without the marks of trauma would be an outlier in our society because it's just so common. And I've been really pondering that because I think I grew up having zero awareness around trauma. I internalized a lot of it, which is interesting because another quote from the book is, trauma is not what happens to you, but what happens inside you. And internal, I felt a lot of anxiety without even knowing what that was depression, stress, all of these intense things. And I just blame them upon myself. And that drove me to self-development because I was very curious about it and been really passionate about psychology. as I wanted to understand it, like, why am I feeling these things? What's going on? But I also was trying to control it and heal it and resolve it and cope with it. And that's interesting too, because it's like some of that, maybe taking too much personal responsibility is not the best option for us. The book says that children, especially highly sensitive children like myself, can be wounded in multiple ways by bad things happening, yes, but also by good things not happening. 
such as their emotional needs for attunement not being met or the experience of not being seen and accepted even by loving parents. Trauma of this kind does not require overt distress or misfortune of the sort mentioned above. It can also lead to the pain of disconnection from themselves occurring as a result of core needs not being satisfied. And I wonder about that. I have a wound for sure around not being seen and accepted. That This is one of those sections that having done the previous episode last week around social media, I think about how I simultaneously want to feel seen and accepted and also don't feel like I need it or want it or I want to shy away from it. Like I don't always like being seen. And yet at the same time, I want to be seen. It's confusing. And this book is really helping me reflect on that more. Another point that I found very profound is that among the most poisonous consequences of shame is the loss of compassion for oneself. And that kind of ties into a lot of the self-blame. We feel shame. Since I've been studying shame for many years, it's very complex. But if I were to distill it down. We have a lot of this external pressure, as I mentioned, and comparing ourselves to other people and trying to meet other people's expectations, society's expectations, trying to survive. The myth of normal talks a lot about survival, and I'm going to get to that. But in general, like our survival, if we don't feel like we're good enough, we feel shame. Or sometimes the shame causes us to feel not good enough. It's all interconnected and it does feel poisonous and toxic. And it's so common for us to lose compassion for ourselves. A big quote from that book around trauma is, if trauma entails a disconnection from the self, then it makes sense to say that we are being collectively flooded with influences that both exploit and reinforce trauma. Work pressures, multitasking, social media, news updates, multiplicities of entertainment sources, these all induce us to become lost in thoughts, frantic activities, gadgets, meaningless conversations. We are caught up in pursuits of all kinds that draw us to on not, wait, that draws us on not. That doesn't make sense. We are caught up in the pursuits of all kinds that draw us on not because they are necessary or inspiring or uplifting or because they enrich or add meaning to our lives, but simply because they obliterate the present. In an absurd twist, we save up to buy the latest, quote, time-saving devices, the better to, quote, kill time. Awareness of the moment has become something to fear. Late-stage capitalism is expert in catering to the sense of present moment dread. In fact, much of its success depends on the chasm between us and the present. Our greatest gift, getting even wider, the false products and artificial distractions of consumer culture designed to fill the gap. That's heavy. That's so big. I have chills, truly. I, because I, every, not everybody, many people, if not most of us right now, are experiencing some level of this. Like trying to save time or trying to kill time, trying to distract us from pain of the, in the moment. 
And as that TikTok video said, like our precious resources, time. So yeah, of course we want to save time, but yet we're also simultaneously killing time with all this stuff because it boredom is uncomfortable or sometimes acknowledging everything that I mentioned in that TikTok video can be so uncomfortable. And going back to this list of work pressures, multitasking, social media, news updates, the multiplicities of entertainment sources and how they induce us to become lost in thoughts, frantic activities, gadgets, and meaningless conversations. And those aren't inspiring or uplifting or even necessary. They're not adding meaning to our lives necessarily, right? Like maybe we think that they are, but are they? It's a big question here. And I think that in itself is something to contemplate as we come up on the end of a year and move towards the beginning of a new year. Do we want to be caught up in all of that? I think an important thing that I've learned through my coaching training is it's it's okay if we do. I am working on the judgment because for so long, I would judge that within myself and others. And TikTok's a great example. TikTok is my main source of disconnection from myself, from life. It's my distraction. It is it gives me a hit of dopamine in a lot of cases, but it also brings up a lot of stress and anxiety. I, there's a co- conflicted relationship I have with it. But like right now, my brain's going, I can't wait to wrap up this podcast so I can go lie in bed and watch TikTok. Like I crave it. It feels almost like an addiction. Maybe it is, but I don't judge myself for that. That's the big key. I can read all of this and reflect on this, study this, and yet still participate. And that's okay because to judge ourselves is not helpful, especially because a lot of this is much, much bigger than us. Another section of the book shares a quote that most of our tensions and frustrations stem from the compulsive needs to act the role of someone we are not. That came from someone whose name I won't be able to easily pronounce, Janos Hans Soleil is my best guess from the stress of life. The compulsive needs to act the role of someone we are not. And need is a big key there. Like going back to that TikTok video, we're trying to survive. And that's a huge theme of this book too. Mate says, if you go through life being stressed while not knowing you are stressed, There is little you can do to protect yourself from the long-term psychological consequences. Pointing out that overdriven, externally focused, multitasking, hyper-responsibility might be based on the conviction that one must justify one's existence by doing and giving. This really spoke to me because I've often identified as being overdriven, multitasking, hyper-responsible. And as I'm reading this book, I'm recognizing I have felt like I've needed to justify my existence by doing and giving and working, I would add too, which I guess could be part of doing and giving. And I felt that I needed to justify myself in order to work. It's so much of my work has been around validation. Like, I think that's why last week's episode 
felt really vulnerable to me because I'm trying to explore and understand my relationship with social media, newsletters, YouTube, all this content. I feel content making content as a podcast. That has been really clear to me. But everything else I felt really conflicted by because I think I felt like I needed to justify myself by doing and giving so much, which led to being overdriven, externally focused, multitasking and hyper responsible. And to do that to survive because that work of being in social media requires so much of that. When you're not working for someone else, when you're independent, the struggle to survive, the pressure to survive can feel really intense. That's why I was saying in the beginning, it's hard. Because I have clients, I feel the constant need to have to prove myself as worthy to them to keep them because I've lost clients. And this applies to my personal life too, losing friendships, losing relationships. I've experienced that loss. I think many, if not most, or all of us have. One of the sections of the myth of normal that deeply spoke to me again, especially after last week's social media episode was around authenticity because I talked about that and I strive to be authentic. And this book pointed out some angles to that that I'd never considered. Beginning with a definition of authenticity from Mate who said, here's one that I think applies best to this discussion in this chapter of the book. The quality of being true to oneself and the capacity to shape one's own life from a deep knowledge of that self, that's authenticity. And I've struggled with this idea of being true to myself and having that deep knowledge. I'm aware that I'm a very self-aware person. Like I said, very passionate about all this stuff. But I still struggle to feel like I know myself. Maybe every, I always will. I think speaking of acceptance, let's, okay, I don't have to know every detail about myself. It doesn't have to be perfect. That self-acceptance is an interesting journey. Am I authentic if I don't really know myself? Or what is the definition of knowing yourself as part of this too? One of the quotes in this book that really hit home for me ties into this. If the choice is between, quote, hiding my feelings even from myself and getting the basic care I need and, quote, being myself and going without, I'm going to pick that first option every single time. Thus, our real selves are leveraged bit by bit in a tragic transaction where we secure our physical or emotional survival by relinquishing who we are and how we feel. This is the first time I've read that out loud. I listened to it in the audiobook, but to read it is a whole nother level because I really identify with this. How many of us do? I think, again, I would venture to guess the great majority of us choose to hide our feelings, even from ourselves, so that we can get the basic care we need. Because that feels like we're securing our physical and our emotional survival. And we would rather do that than be ourselves and go without by relinquishing who we are and how we feel. And Mate points out how a lot of this comes from how we were raised as kids, but I think this gets reinforced in us so much throughout life. In fact, another quote is, as these patterns get wired in our nervous system, 
the perceived need to be what the world demands becomes entangled with our sense of who we are and how we seek love. Inauthenticity is therefore misidentified with survival because the two were synonymous, synonymous, is that right? During the formative years, or at least seemed so to our young selves. In other words, if what I'm describing is inauthentic, that might be the result of trying to survive because we thought we had to be inauthentic to survive. That's how I interpret that. That hits home with me. Like I said, seen it so much in my career too. Seen it in my romantic relationships, like so many parts of my life. That's why this process of unmasking and thinking about myself, wondering about my neurodivergence, even identifying my sleep issues, my food issues. What if all these, quote, issues are linked to this? And maybe that's also why I don't feel like I know myself because so much is a mystery. (laughs) Mate says many of the personality traits we have come to believe are us and perhaps even take pride in actually bear the scars of where we lost connection to ourselves way back when. And that kind of blew my mind too. I'm like, wow, like how much of this is even real? Like how much of this is the result of disconnection? Actually, I wouldn't even say maybe. I think that's a huge transition that I'm at. And it's interesting. I think I pointed this out in last week's episode. A lot of these thoughts started for me in 2020, like a new, I want to, what's it called? The beginning of a 10-year period. Century? Is that right? <laughs> or century, 100 years. In this moment, decade, wait, decade, right? I'm getting century and decade confused. I'm going to look this up in real time. Century versus decade. <laughs> okay. 10 years, decades, centuries, 100. Okay. So (laughs) for me in January 2020, the beginning of a new decade, I was faced with, with a lot of these thoughts of feeling disconnected, of feeling inauthentic. And it didn't make sense to me because I thought I was authentic. I took pride in what I believed to be authentic. And I've spent the last three years like eye opening letting go, unmasking, huge. And I wonder what's next? How much longer is this going for? Is it going to be the whole decade? Is it going to be the rest of my life? I'm okay with it all. It's interesting to see the shifts. And for me, a big shift started three years ago. And I wonder how many people experience that. But of course, that shift was part paired, it partnered with, coincided with a very traumatic event in human history of the pandemic starting just a few months later after I started going through that transition. So that became even harder to navigate or maybe easier. I don't know. There's like a collective awakening that seemed to happen at the same time. So it's interesting. I'm feeling like ready to wrap up this episode. There's still a bunch of quotes. And I'll just summarize some of the themes here without reading them verbatim. Mate talks a lot around agenda-free, unconditional attention, which sounds amazing, similar to that TikTok video of wondering what life would be like if we'd always have housing, food, and healthcare. What would life be like if we had agenda-free, unconditional attention? That was a big aim of mine 
as I started developing Beyond Measure, which came out of this transition I've just been describing, I started forming that private community that I run. And I'll link to it. If you've never heard me talk about Beyond Measure or you've never been that interested in it, all of these themes and thoughts come up in Beyond Measure. I actually just started integrating my emotional well-being coaching into Beyond Measure and just trying to broaden it as we're nearing three years of that group. My One of my core desires with Beyond Measure is to give people agenda-free, unconditional attention. In fact, there was another part of this book that really spoke to it. And the quote from Mate was to rest from the work of earning the right to be who you are and as you are. That's what I wanted to provide with Beyond Measure. That word, that phrase, Beyond Measure, is like you are Beyond Measure. You don't have to measure yourself to get love. I think that sums up and probably why all this stuff speaks to me so much and also why I created Beyond Measure because I've been thinking so much over the last three years about how exhausting it is to constantly try to measure up, constantly have to prove my worthiness, earn my... existence. And many of us just want to rest, want to stop trying to earn it. The book points out how many of us have been put to work from the moment we were born and not literal work, money-making usually, although I suppose child actors and various other stuff like kids, some kids are literally put to work very young, but we are put to work in Mate's perspective in terms of earning love, attention, and survival. In order to survive, many of us feel like we have to earn love because that's what we did as kids. Like we want our parents to take care of us. We have to please them. That's just one of our core wounds. I don't know if human beings will ever not feel that unless there's parents out there who really learn how to show love to their kids unconditionally. Like I think it's unconditional love is seems to be there for a lot of us, but not always felt. I yearn for that. And maybe I'll continue exploring this in an upcoming episode. I haven't finished reading The Myth of Normal yet. So there's a lot more for me to ponder. And I think this is a good place to wrap. So I will link to that TikTok video I read. If you want to go listen and watch it yourself, I will link to The Myth of Normal if you want to read it too. Love to hear your thoughts on it. And I'm also going to link to Beyond Measure if you want to come in and share your thoughts. I think Beyond Measure more and more is becoming one of the few places that I show up communication-wise fully. I get extremely overwhelmed with communication. That's something I'm still trying to figure out within myself. I invite most people at the end of my episodes, I'll say, well, I invite everybody. (laughs) I should rephrase that. Often at the end of my episodes, I invite you to email me, to direct message me. It brings me the deepest joy to connect with you, to hear from you, to hear your thoughts and feelings. Simultaneously, I get extremely overwhelmed whenever I get messages. And it's, I don't know what to do with that. Honestly, like it's a huge struggle for me. So I don't have answers, but I will say the closest answer I have right now is Beyond Measure, which is currently free. I am getting closer and closer to a paid element, something I ponder, but I've also been saying that for years <laughs> since I started Beyond Measure. So as of this moment in, in December 2022, it's free to join and I want to keep it accessible and yet supportive of me and the effort that goes into it. Anyways, it's currently free. And it is a great place to reliably hear from me because we meet every single week as a group. So if you want to come 
and discuss a book like The Myth of Normal, that's actually a phenomenal place to do it. And you get to actually connect and discuss with other like-minded people who are there to give you non-judgmental attention, agenda-free. And that just feels like the greatest thing to me. Clearly, it is really important for me to not just give that to myself, but to others. So I would say if I, if please reach out to me, just know that it can take me a while to get the mental energy to respond. But I do read every single message. I cherish them deeply. And right now, the place I can guarantee to connect with you is through Beyond Measure. And one thing I'm wondering is, what if I lean more into that in 2023 and own it? I feel a lot of shame for not responding to people. And I've been really toying with, huh, what if I put myself first, like examining all the things that I've shared today, if there's a reason that I struggle? And what if instead of feeling shameful, lazy, like a bad person or something, what if instead I turned that around and thought and embraced it, said, I struggle to reply to messages. And what if I just focus on the podcast and beyond measure and let those be enough? What if it's okay that I don't do social media like I talked about in last week's episode? These are questions I've been asking myself. and I'll keep you tuned. Is that right? I'll keep you in the loop. I think that's a better phrasing for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for mentally exploring this with me. I'll be back with one of those fantastic guest episodes I've been mentioning on Friday. And another episode with just me next week in the brand new year of 2023. I'm wishing you a wonderful end of the year if you're listening in 2022. If you're listening in 2023, I hope it's going well for you. You're in the future (laughs) because right now I'm still in 2022. And whenever our paths cross, I just hope that you're feeling good in whatever good means for you. And if you're not, that's okay too. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.